0: Once again, brothers and sisters, I am honored to be here, um, overwhelmed with the love, support, love. A privilege to be called, as you see, Pastor. Um, I do look forward to seeing what Christ has in store for this church in the many, many years to come. So I do want to look at a text in John chapter three briefly. So if you want to turn there, but before we dig into that, I personally also uh, just want to take a second and uh, thank our God for uh, these men, for Pastor Juan. Pastor uh, Peter McHugh, and then also for the leadership team and, and everyone here, um, because I, uh, I know uh, that God has consistently and faithfully fed you all with the Word um, through these men, and uh, I know the church, I'm sure you know more than me, the church wouldn't be even where it is right now apart from that. Um, so I thank you, uh, Peter, thank you on as the senior pastor coming in, and I know the whole church is thankful as well. Um, so we praise God and thank God for both of you. So the rest of our time here this morning, I do want to, again, look briefly at the text in John chapter 3. So I hope you have a Bible. I'd love for you to follow along any time we're going through the Word. Uh, keep the Bible open. See what's there. I want you to hear it for yourself from God's Word. And I think this text from John chapter 3 is a fitting text for a time of transition and a time of ministry where hopefully, Lord willing, exciting things are happening a time like this here at ECC. The first thing we're going to be focusing on are verses 27 through 30 of John chapter 3. So for the sake of context, we're just going to read a little bigger section from verses 22 through 30. So, let's your Bible, John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. is the word of Lord. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Aon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Now verses 27 through 30 years we'll be focusing on this point. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bore me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So in this context, as you saw, John the Baptist is baptizing many people. But now Jesus has arrived and many people are going to him. So in short, it's an exciting time of ministry. It's a time of transition. A time when a lot of people are beginning to really focus on Jesus. Again, we're willing to hope, hopefully a lot of similarities to what's going on here at ACC. So the question I want us to look at is, okay, so what is John the Baptist's response to all of this? What is John's inspired response in the Word of God to such a time of transition ministry, in verses 27 through 30, that's what we're going to be focusing on here this morning. But the summary statement of his response there, as you've probably seen, is in verse 30, famous verse where John ends by saying, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus must increase. That's John's overall response, and I do pray that's our overall response to a time of ministry, like this, that we realize that at this very moment it's not about us, it's not about this church even, it's ultimately about Jesus. Okay. It's not about me coming in as a new senior pastor, our prayer is that Jesus will increase through this church. Okay. And so for the rest of the time here this morning, and a little outline if this helps. Briefly, I want to look into what this means from this text alone. We're going to see here in these verses three ways that John the Baptist increases Jesus in these verses, and then we're going to apply each of those to us in our church. And after that, as we end the message, I want to briefly introduce the sermon series that we're going to be starting next week. So as we'll outline three ways that Jesus increases in this text, and then we'll introduce the sermon series. So we'll begin with our first way that Jesus increases in this text, that John the Baptist increases Jesus. And for this, look again with me in your Bibles at verse 29. If you remember here, John the Baptist is expressing how thrilled he is that Jesus is increasing. And he uses an illustration, an illustration of a wedding, where Jesus is the groom who has the bride, while John the Baptist is here watching, and John the Baptist is the friend of the groom, what we might today see as a best man. And he uses this illustration to show how excited he is, what's going on with Jesus, how thrilled he is concerning Jesus. But notice in your Bible specifically what John the Baptist is so thrilled about concerning Jesus. And if we were to speculate, why would John the Baptist be so thrilled about Jesus? We might think, okay, he's just thrilled about Jesus' presence, as we love God's presence, and that's true. Or we might think he's just thrilled about Jesus' goodness, or Jesus' love, or Jesus' salvation. All are beautiful things, and those are all true. But instead, that's not what he focuses on. Instead, notice what John the Baptist is thrilled about in verse 29. What is he excited about concerning Jesus? He's thrilled about hearing Jesus' voice. Hearing Jesus' voice. He's excited that Jesus is here. Absolutely, he's good, he's loving, and he has access to hear the bridegroom's voice. See if you're yourself. Verse 29 The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. The voice of Jesus. The same will be true for us in this church. What is the first way for Jesus to increase in our lives and in this church? Of course, we love His presence, His goodness, His salvation, His love. Amen and amen. But foundational to all of this is that we're a people who love to listen to Jesus' voice. That's the first way for Jesus to increase. We be a people who love listening to Jesus, to hearing what Jesus has to say to us, just like John the Baptist here in verse 29. We will be talking about this more next week. When we talk about the Bible even more, we'll get to that later, but to be clear, I just want to say that when I talk about and I think the Bible talks about hearing Jesus' voice, Jesus' is real, his actual voice. We aren't talking about hearing just thoughts in our head and thinking they're from God. No are we talking about kind of going off into the woods and trying to hear from the Lord? I do you think many people think that's kind of how it works these days because certain teachings? But honestly I don't believe that's how God has set it up. Instead, brothers and sisters, Jesus is clear. The whole Bible is clear. that We hear our God's voice. We hear Jesus' voice. We hear the Holy Spirit's voice in His perfect, written, inspired, inerrant word. Here. That's how God has set it up. So, we love Jesus' voice when we love the Bible because this, when you're reading it, is Jesus' voice. This is hearing from Him. And this connects to Jesus increasing among us because we, the more we listen to Jesus, the more he will increase in our lives and in our church. So, to use an illustration, think about how this works in any relationship that you have. In any relationship. You may want to love your spouse or love a friend more. You may want them to increase more in your life. But if you don't take the time to listen to them, it won't happen. You won't love them more and more. You won't know them more and more. Now it's true. Let's be honest. Listening sometimes isn't the easiest. Whether in a relationship you're in, or honestly in your relationship with the Lord, but sometimes we must decrease. And when we do, we take the effort, we take the energy to listen to Jesus, meaning read our Bibles, He will increase in our lives in this church. Our love for Him will grow. As we listen to Jesus, He increases in this church. And so the question is, are you listening? Are you listening to Jesus? I pray you are. I pray you are reading and loving your Bible. But if you are here this morning and honestly you're hearing this and you're thinking, maybe that's not me. Maybe I don't really love the Bible. We are really glad you're here. I'm glad you're being honest but my prayer and our prayer for this church and everyone who comes to it is that we be a people who love this book because we love listening to Jesus' voice. As we do so, He will increase. So we go to our second way for Jesus to increase in our text. We see this in what John the Baptist says in verse 27. So again, if you're going to look down a bit context, Remember all that's happening here. Lots of people are being baptized by John, which was special for John, but also a lot of people now are leaving John and going to Jesus and being baptized by Jesus, which was kind of hard for a lot of John's followers. So again, what is John's response to this time of transition to everything going on? Well, his initial response is the very first thing he says in verse 27. Look there again. In verse 27, all this is going on and. John answered, verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. So what's his response? Essentially, with all that's happening, with all the things that his disciples are concerned about, with all this change, John recognizes that God, that heaven, that Jesus who's the one from heaven, is in control of it all. With everything going on, he sees above it all, and he realizes what's really going on, that God has plans, that God is in control. Nothing happens unless it is given from above. I think that's the second thing for us to embrace. If Jesus is going to increase in this church, we become a people who really believe and then realize, because this is true, that God, that Jesus, that heaven, is in control of everything all things come from Him. And this increases Jesus in our lives and in this church because now we're a people who not only listen to what He has to say in His Word, we also are now becoming a people who can look at everything that's going on. I mean, everything in our lives, in this church, in this country, in this world, everything, the, the easy and the tough, the good and the bad, things that make some sense to us and things that make no sense to us, we can look at all of it and we can say, my God, my Jesus is really in control of it all. Amen. We can say, this world is not ultimately, it's not chaos. We worship a good, sovereign Jesus who is God and He's in control of all things and He has good plans and purposes for everything. And we, then we see that all the good gifts we have are good gifts from our Father's hand. He gets the glory for it. And then we see that all the difficult things we are going through doesn't make them easy. We know, as Romans 8, 28 famously says, that all of those things God works together for our good. John Baptist says a person can't receive he can't receive even one thing unless it's given from heaven and so brothers and sisters I do pray that this becomes another truth that we embrace and we love here at ECC first we love Jesus' word and connected with that we believe that the Jesus we're listening to in this book isn't just some small savior our God we worship is not some God who's trying to control things and have plans for things but he can't really figure it all out Not at all. Our God is in control of all things. The Jesus that died for us, that rose from the grave, that speaks to us in this book, is the same Jesus who's controlling everything that's happening. That's our Jesus. And when we believe that, and really believe it deep in our bones, He will increase. Which brings us now, finally, to the third way that Jesus increases in our text. So we've seen that Jesus increases. We listen to Him when we recognize that he's in control of all things. But if we stop there, say we stop there and that was it, then we might be tempted, maybe you're sitting there and you're tempted, to then think that Christianity, that following Christ, that, that Jesus increasing is is something that is just all about listening to him and obeying whatever he says and submitting to whatever happens because he's in control. And then we can start to think that following Christ, that Jesus increasing... For us, it's kind of just a somber thing where it's a mere duty where we have to submit to whatever happens we have to listen and obey. But if we thought like that, we'd miss a key part of this text. Maybe you've seen it. And we'd miss something that is the overall feel of this passage. And Again, perhaps you saw it for yourself when you read the passage. I mean, ask this, how is John the Baptist feeling when he says things, like in verse 27, that God can control of all things? Or how is John the Baptist feeling when he gets to verse 30 and he genuinely wants himself to decrease and Jesus to increase? How is he feeling when he starts to talk about Jesus' voice? He isn't dull. He isn't dejected because some people are leaving him. He doesn't see all that he has to do as some just religious duty. Instead, this is his delight. Amen. He's glad, genuinely glad. He's rejoicing in Jesus. Again, see for yourself, verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And so that is our third and final way, brothers and sisters, for Jesus to increase increased from our text, namely... Jesus increases when we find our joy in Jesus. We rejoice in Him and He increases. And John the Baptist is such a good example for us here because, again, John was in an exciting time of ministry. He was famous. And and being so, this, this could have been his ultimate joy. It could have been in what he was doing and who he was and all his followers. And then this would have been really hard for him when all these people were leaving him. But that wasn't the case. Instead, what was his ultimate joy? It was in Jesus. In Jesus' voice in verse 29. The fact that his God was in control of all things in verse 27. And the fact even that he was going to decrease and Jesus was going to increase in verse 30. In short, his joy was in the fact that it really was all about Jesus. Who he was, what he was going to do. And it wasn't about him. And that's true for us, too. Jesus increases when we find joy in Jesus. Just think about it. If we analyze our lives and ourselves, and, and we see that what we really find joy in, ultimate joy in, what really gives us happiness is material stuff, or when we get recognition, or things are going really, really well, or when we have power or comfort or certain pleasures. And it's not Jesus that's going to it. Those things will increase, and Jesus, at best, will just be another, maybe, mere add-on to that. And He could even, this is frightening, He can even become a mere add-on to some churches. But if Jesus is central, if our true soul's delight is in who He is and what He's done for us, then He will increase. It's when we can say genuinely, genuinely, not perfectly, but genuinely that we really do love Jesus and what he's done for us above all else. It's then that Jesus is exalted. It's then that Jesus increases. Again, joy in Jesus and what he's done for us makes Jesus increase in our lives and in this church. So in sum, the goal of a time of ministering transition like this is for us, myself even, to decrease and for Jesus to increase. And we've seen three ways of the text. First, Jesus increases when we listen to his word, his voice. Second, Jesus increases when we really believe that he's in control of everything. And third, Jesus increases when in all things that happen, in all of this, we rejoice in him above all else summarizes so well what John the Baptist said he must increase but I must decrease which brings us now to talk about quick, briefly what we'll be discussing in our sermon series starting next week so usually as a church I just want you to know we will be our sermon series will be us going verse by verse through books of the Bible expository preaching and the reason we do that the reason why that's an important thing is because then you just go verse by verse through a book And you hear whatever Jesus has to say to us. We talk about it. We don't skip anything. We go verse by verse. That will be our usual series here at ECC. But as I began, I was just thinking about praying about it. And I began being your senior pastor here. I thought it would be good to have a series that's going to lead us into Easter. A series focusing on the foundations of what it really means to be a people who are all about Jesus. What it means for us to be a church that's centered on Jesus. Focused on Christ. And so starting next week, we're going to start a six-week sermon series, leading us into Easter, entitled, Being a Jesus-Centered Church. Being a Jesus-Centered Church. And each week, we're going to open up the Bible, we're going to look at one text that's still going to be expository from the Bible, and we're going to focus on what it really means for us to be a church who's all about Jesus. Because it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to actually be it, according to the Word. So for six weeks... We're going to consider what this means together. Specifically, to give you some insight on what's to come, here's briefly the six weeks. We, of course, don't need to write any of this down or remember, but just to give you some insight into the next six weeks. First, next week, and this connects to what we saw today, we'll see that being a Jesus-centered church means that we're people who consistently hear from Jesus and His Word. It's foundational. Second, we'll see that being a Jesus-centered church means that we're people who focus on Jesus' gospel, what he did, his life, his death, his resurrection, how we can be saved by faith. Third, we'll see that G- being a Jesus-centered church means that we're a people of prayer. We hear Jesus in his word and we speak back to him in prayer. Fourth, we'll see that being a Jesus-centered church means that we're people who strive to live like Jesus, living lives of holiness and purity and love. Fifth, we'll see that being a Jesus-centered church means that all those things we recognize that we can't do it apart from Jesus' grace. Because it's Jesus himself, who as you probably know said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yes. And sixth and finally, the week before Easter, we'll see that being a Jesus-centered church means that we live our lives for Jesus' for God's glory, and specifically for his glory spread throughout the whole world to all the nations. So will be our sermon series started next week, being a Jesus-centered church. As always, we do encourage you to invite family, friends, co-workers, neighbors to come and join us as we go through God's Word. But even more important than that, I hope we each and every week come together, look to God and His Word, and grow in Christ. Brothers and sisters, once again, I am honored to be here. It's a privilege to be called your senior pastor, and I do look forward to the many, many ways that Jesus increases in this church in years to come. Let's we'll pray together, and then we'll respond in worship. Let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we do praise you and thank you that you are good and gracious to us. I just praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness towards this church, towards the brothers and sisters here sitting in front of me, Lord, it's been years since they've had a senior pastor, but Lord may have continued to trust you and continue to look to you in your word and you have continue to be gracious towards them. And now, Lord, as we um, continue to try to worship you and serve you and evangelize this area and live for your glory, just give us grace. And we do pray, Jesus, we just read from this text from John the Baptist, especially that myself and everyone here have become people who aren't all about us, that we decrease, Lord, as you see fit. In all, in all of it, Christ, that you just increase, that you glorify, that people come to know you who don't know you right now, that people see this as real, that it changes their lives, and the Lord continues, that you continue to change our lives. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for how much you love us. We don't deserve it. Thank you for the gospel, that you died for our sins, that you reign for We love you and trust you. It's in your name. Amen.